You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, September 13th. I'm Portia Cook. And I'm Kira McKinley. And you're tuned into KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kira McKinley goes over campus news with updates on a new fitness club on campus. Then Portia covers local news with updates on a plane crash near Horsetooth Reservoir. After that, Portia reports on music, entertainment, and events news with information on live and local at Ginger and Baker. Then listen to an interview with Kira McKinley about food poisoning at CSU dining halls. Kira then reports on environmental news with updates on wildfires in the western U.S. After that, I go over national news with updates on death of a journalist in Las Vegas. Then stay tuned as Ewan Pert goes over updates in CSU sports. And to conclude today's show, I take a look at what Fort Collins has in store for the weather this week. Let's move right into campus and local news. This is Karen McKinley reporting your campus news for Tuesday, September 13th. According to CSU Source News, Colorado State University has been named the best educational employer based in the state by Forbes. The school came in fifth nationally. CSU's interim president, Rick Miranda, said he is happy to see CSU's ranking, as this is something they have been working on and still have much more work to do on as well. Charge, a club at CSU, is now starting its fourth semester here on campus. Their main goal is to reframe how women look at fitness and help women create well-rounded workout routines. The Collegians said, quote, Charge, which stands for Changing Health, Attitudes, and Actions to Recreate Girls, is a club at Colorado State University that is present at over 100 other colleges nationwide, according to Taylor Whitner, Chapter Ambassador for Charge at CSU, end quote. The club costs $50 to join and includes 11 weekly workouts in a semester and small group activities, according to the Collegian. Thank you for listening to my CSU Campus News Updates. I'm Kira McKinley, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. Here's Portia Cook with your local news updates. I'm Portia Cook with your local news for Thursday, September 13th. The Larimer County Sheriff's Office is seeking the public's help with a plane crash. On September 11th, around 7 o'clock p.m., Larimer County Sheriff's Office deputies, the County Department of Natural Resources Rangers, and and Poudre Fire Authority responded to reports of a small single-engine plane crash just west of Horsetooth Reservoir in the Sawmills Trail area. According to the Larimer County Sheriff's Office press release, responders reached the crash site around 7.16 p.m. where two adult occupants were found outside of the plane with what appeared to be only minor injuries. Both were transported to a local hospital for treatment. The Larimer County Sheriff's Office is assisting the National Transportation Safety Board and the Federal Aviation Administration with the investigation. Anyone with photos or videos of the plane before, during, or after the crash are asked to submit them online at larimercso.evidence.com slash axon slash in slash public slash horsetooth reservoir crash. The link for the photo and video submissions can be found online at larimer.gov. The Larimer County Sheriff's Office is looking for Casey Lynn Clifton as one of Larimer County's most wanted. Clifton, who also goes by Christopher Ferguson or Casey Conradson, is wanted on a misdemeanor demeanor warrant for an unauthorized absence from a correctional facility. Clifton is a Caucasian male weighing 240 pounds and standing at about 6'2 in height with brown hair and hazel eyes. Photos of Clifton can be seen at larimer.gov slash sheriff slash most wanted. If you have any information on the location of this person, you are asked to call 970-416-1985 or Crime Stoppers at 970-221-6868. Fort Collins City Council is discussing raising local minimum wage to $18 per hour. 
On September 6th, Fort Collins City Council again discussed raising local minimum wage above the statewide level. According to Molly Bohannon of the Coloradoan, while the majority of city council members want to move forward and vote on the decision, council and city staff have yet to come to an agreement on the target wage or schedule. Currently, Fort Collins is in accordance with state minimum wage of $12.56 per hour and $9.54 an hour for tipped employees. In 2019, however, the Colorado National Assembly passed a law allowing communities to set their own minimum wage above the state minimum wage level. According to the Colorado, next year's consumer price index will increase 9%, increasing the statewide minimum wage to $13.70 per hour. Back in June, city staff discussed a potential wage increase to $15 an hour. However, according to previous reports by the Colorado, city council members were split on whether or not the wage increase was appropriate and if the wage increase increase was significant enough to make a difference in people's lives. On September 6th, most council members supported increasing the minimum wage to higher than $15 per hour over the course of three to four years. Council member Kelly Olson said the $15 an hour wage increase has been thrown around for years and is, quote, very outdated, end quote. Olson said he would like to see the council implement a wage increase of at least $18 an hour. Council members Trisha Cananico and Julia Pignatario and Mayor Pro Tem Emily Francis are also in support of an $18 minimum wage increase spread out over the course of three to four years. According to the MIT Living Wage Calculator, a livable hourly wage in Fort Collins for a dual-income household with no children is $13.77 an hour, $18.39 for a single adult, $19.92 for a dual-income household with one child, and $36.28 for a single parent with one child. As for what's next, city council members express support in moving forward with the first reading of the minimum wage increase on November 15th. If council does not pass a wage increase ordinance prior to January 2023, the city would have to wait another 12 months before an agreed-upon ordinance could take effect. Public comment on wage increase matters can be made at the November 15th City Council meeting. City Council meetings are held remotely and can be found on the City of Fort Collins website at fcgov.com slash council slash council comments. Plans to build additional housing in southwest Fort Collins is concerning local residents. According to the Coloradoan, Zacalo, a Denver-based development firm, has submitted a preliminary design application with the city of Fort Collins with plans to build 140 homes directly west of South College Avenue and south of West Trilby Road. The 15-acre project includes single-family attached and detached homes, all of which will be for rent, according to Zacalo co-founder David Zucker. Zacalo currently has the land site under contract, telling the Coloradoan, quote, we've never put a property under contract and not closed, end quote. Zacalo's project is just one of a string of home building proposals that would add hundreds of homes to the area around Trilby and South College Avenue. With an increase in homes, locals are concerned about the increase in traffic and traffic-related accidents. Frank Landon, a resident of the nearby Shenandoah development, told the Coloradoan that the development should not be approved until a traffic light is installed at Triangle Drive's intersection with South College Avenue, along with much-needed improvements to Trilby and College Roadways. The city of Fort Collins recently released a draft of its road safety report for 2019 through 2021, with the south side intersection of Trilby and College ranking as the 10th busiest city roadway, with more than 45,000 vehicles passing through it daily. The city also reported that crashes at Trilby and College are more severe and costly than anywhere else in the city. 
City traffic engineer Tyler Stammy said after a recent review, staff determined the intersection of College and Triangle will in fact get a traffic signal with construction beginning later in 2023. The city will, however, install a temporary signal at College and Triangle if construction of the College and Trilby intersection begins before the signal is installed, he said. Landline Transportation Service Company is launching its new bus service to all DIA travelers from Loveland's northern Colorado Regional Airport to Denver International Airport. According to the Colorado and the shuttle will operate four times a day starting on September 19th and will be available to all flyers regardless of airline. Once at DIA, passengers flying airlines other than United will need to get their bags, check in, and get their boarding pass from the airline they are flying with. United passengers will have the ability to check their luggage at the Loveland Airport that will follow them through to their final destination. The landline fare will cost $29 one way for all adults and $10 one way for children under 13. Additional information about flights and parking at Loveland's Northern Colorado Regional Airport can be found by visiting flynoco.com. That's all for your local news. I'll be right back with your entertainment, music, and events news after the break. If you are a current CSU student and would like to be a part of KCSU FM, go to kcsufm.com backslash training to be a live DJ, podcaster, or reporter. This is 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. In environmental news, many areas around the country are experiencing severe heat waves. This is due to extreme temperatures and droughts. Wildfires have begun to spark up again throughout the western U.S., according to CNN. These fires have forced thousands to evacuate and have worsened air quality all around the country. CNN has found that there are 92 large fires throughout the country that have scorched more than 728,000 acres of land. The northwestern states are beginning to be affected by these extreme heat and drought conditions the most. In Oregon, communities have had to shut off power due to high winds that have increased their already high fire danger, while California has simultaneously seen record-breaking heat and rainfall, according to CNN. The U.S. could be at risk of blackouts for the first time in decades, according to the Business Insider. They found that due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the U.S., U.K., and E.U. are all at risk of widespread energy shortages. In California, dozens were trapped by mudslides this past weekend, according to NBC. 24 vehicles were stuck in a mudslide near L.A., and there have been 53 people accounted for. This rainfall was due to the tropical storm K that hit Mexico this weekend. 
a Colorado-based butterfly pavilion, is monitoring insect species and their decline. They said this is because invertebrates are disappearing and this will have a drastic effect on humans, according to the Denver Post. The pavilion is tracking these insects because bug populations all around the world are declining. They said this could be a sign of an insect apocalypse. The Denver Post reports that 40% of insect species are declining around the world, and this loss could in turn cause an ecological collapse. Although insects may be annoying at times, they are vital for a multiple of reasons, as they pollinate crops, recycle nutrients, aerate soil, and provide the essential base protein in the food chain, according to the Denver Post. This is why the Butterfly Pavilion is working towards saving these species right here in Colorado. Thank you for listening to my environmental news updates. In March of 2022, the Collegian and CTV reported on students who claimed to get food poisoning from undercooked chicken in the Colorado State University dining halls. Despite these claims, Noelle Mason from the Collegian said that, quote, there have not been any documented cases of foodborne illnesses or food poisoning from the CSU dining halls due to undercooked chicken, according to CSU Nutrition and Wellness Program Manager Brittany Skye, end quote. Recently, these claims of food poisoning have increased again. KCSU has heard reports from several sources who have claimed they've gotten food poisoning from the dining halls due to undercooked chicken and food. I was able to talk to two of these sources who are students at CSU to hear their side of the story. Hi, this is Kieran McKinley, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Today in the studio, we have a student who has experienced getting food poisoning from the CSU dining halls. My name is Larissa Bergelin. I'm a senior here at Colorado State University, and I've been victimized by the food hall throughout my education here at CSU. I unfortunately got to live off campus my first year because I knew I wasn't going to be impressed with the dining halls, but I still had a on-campus meal plan, and I ate there one, maybe three times a week, and I still felt super sick after. I would have horrible bouts of just bad runs, don't really want to get in the details. And I can't even imagine how it is for students eating here three or more times a day, every day, for a whole semester or more. After COVID, it definitely got a lot worse. Um, I ate there maybe once a week, and I still would have feel the effects like days after. And then do you think there was like a specific food that gave you this food poisoning or just in general? Um, Notice mostly it came from protein-based sources like the eggs, the chicken, especially from the salad bar was a little tipping for my taste, uh, especially if it was chicken breast. Yeah, any of the milk, any any of the beef, the pork, uh, it was all bad. The best protein you could really get was maybe the hard-boiled eggs and the anything from the sandwich bar, but... Even then, even the carbs were, you know, still sloshed with grease and fats and whatnot, and it's not good for you. So then do you feel like, besides having safe food options, of course, then do you feel like you had healthy food options? I think if I was just restricted to food on campus, I would not have a lot of healthy options that would at least get along with my stomach. Fortunately, I was able to live off campus and able to make my own healthy food options, and that worked out a lot better. But obviously not everyone gets that opportunity, especially the first-year students, so I feel for everyone with any sorts of sensitivities for this year to find out ways to make meals in your dorm rooms or something. 
And then, do you know anyone else, like any of your friends or any other people you've heard of having the same problems as you? Yeah, pretty much, uh, especially my freshman year, we would all come back and after about two hours later say that our all of our stomachs felt bad after eating a dinner at the dining halls usually breakfasts are okay but dinners especially when you have those you know greasy you know beef or pork dishes or anything with protein really you would really feel it a couple hours later and throughout the morning it would last like you know, 12 hours probably until you started started having normal you know number twos again Thank you so much for coming in today. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you yeah. having us. I think it's important to give students adequate nutrition and something that they don't suffer from. Uh, or, you know, their food that they school provides them should not cause them as much pain as it did me and anyone for that matter. Thank you so much. So uh, my name is Kristen Litsky. Uh, I'm a senior here at Colorado State University, and I'm majoring in landscape architecture. And thank you so much for coming in again today, Kristen. Yeah, Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with food poisoning at CSU and how you got it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I've actually lived on the residence campus life here uh, for four years here, so all of my years of college. Um, and I've been an RA for three of them. So I was a freshman in Corbett, and it was good that year because it was kind of normal that year. COVID hit in the half of the year. COVID hit and the dorms were kind of okay with food, um, which was kind of interesting. It was just like you had to walk in and they gave you the food rather than you serving it yourself. And then like when it hit, like my s first year as an RA, it started getting extremely bad. Food would be just so consistent. Um, I think that's what the biggest issue is, is not necessarily like, I mean, some of the food is really bad, like hamburgers and like hot dogs are getting people sick and like spaghetti and pasta are getting people sick like mm. well, how you know what I mean but like it's just like I'm I'm eating the same thing over and over again and when you're doing that to your body like it creates like a mess in there and you just I mean I've just had like throwing up in the mornings a lot like people are just like all across campus like as uh, in residence halls just having uh, stomach issues I feel like if you walk into any of the gender neutral bathrooms here on campus you'll just kind of see the mess of it like it's mm. you can tell like it, people are using it to like as a bathroom for that specific use and it's uh, unfortunate because gender neutral bathrooms shouldn't be used for that you know or like people are like turning their showers on as they're, you know, using it for that use. So it's like less embarrassing and it's just like a weird environment to go through. So you said that hamburgers, spaghetti, hot dogs, all that are getting people sick too, which is something we've been hearing reports of. Mm -hmm. Previously, we've done stories on this and it's mainly been about the raw chicken. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about the other foods and mm -hmm. how long that's been partaking for? Yeah, I feel like if you, so like before when I was going to f eat, I didn't have to look at the menu before. I could just walk in and know I would be able to find something. But now if you look at the menu, it's just so consistent of like hamburgers, like it's just pink in the middle or it just looks like it's been kind of run over in a way. I don't know. Um, the like fried chicken, like even fried chicken is bad or it just looks like 
cardboardy, you know, mm-hmm. like the fried outside looks good, but then the inside looks rubbery. Or like just the pasta looks fine, but it just gets people sick for some reason. I don't know why. I think it might be something with the cheese or like how they're cooking the noodles. I don't know exactly. I know I've heard a lot of my friends over here, different like people that work in the dining halls just fudge the like temperature numbers because like they're not getting paid that much. I've worked that job before. Like it's stressful. They work you long hours. Like I get wanting just to fudge numbers. However, it's getting people sick with like bread. You know, if you have bread out for too long, it gets people sick. I've heard people with them like burning meat and Mm. that gets you no nutritional value. So people are like passing out because of that because they're getting no like nutrition. I worked a conference and event services Mm -hmm. this summer and I worked with a colleague and they were telling me that like they were experiencing eating burnt stuff um, during like when COVID just hit. And so when they were walking just to get to the foundry and back from their hall, which I believe was in Laurel Village, this person was like experiencing passing out. We didn't ex- like expand on it too much because it was like a sensitive subject, but they they definitely expressed that with me that they were just passing out because of that. So I spoke with the head of food and dining services last week, and she told me that they have not been hearing about this influx in reports. Mm -hmm. They do have things set up in place. Have you ever heard about these things set up where you can go report these food cases that you've been hearing about? Or have you if you've done that, have you heard back? Yeah, um, so I I have reported. Uh, I've reported through housing and dining. did that first where I emailed them just like how kind of anybody would, like with Mm -hmm. the raw chicken or anything like that. I didn't necessarily hear anything. They did a mass email last year talking about the raw chicken-like aspect because I think that's what people focus on. However, I think it's a huge problem, like just with options, like not just food-wise, like, I mean, vegan options, you know, and in general. Um, And they just, like, don't listen, and they just kind of, like, focus on one aspect. And I've also been told, like, myself that they haven't been hearing these complaints. However, I'm literally talking to my friends, like, different RAs, different residents of mine, you know, or I talk to different RAs in different buildings. Like, I don't just stick to Corvette, and it's a, a common occurrence of people throwing up, having stomach issues and stuff like that. It's definitely not not an issue. It's just that I feel like nobody's reporting it, maybe, or they're gaslighting us, and they're just not telling us of the reports. And with that, have you heard your friends have reported things? Have they heard back any other follow-ups from the dining services? Yeah, so I know at least that friend from conference event services that was experiencing burnt food and passing out reached out to them and didn't get anything back from that. It's kind of like you tell them the problem. They're like, okay, we're going to go and tell these dining halls where you ate and where you're having problems, the issues, and we'll fix it. And they just don't really do anything. I've had a, a friend who, like, had really bad stomach issues, like, way worse than me. And I feel really bad for this person. And um, he's also reached out to them and heard, like, really nothing back as well. We've also done, like, Fort Collins food poisoning reports because we were like, maybe if an outside, like, person came in. But I didn't hear anything from that. And then I also, because I'm an RA, I reached out to, oh, I don't know her role, but I reached out to somebody in housing and dining. And I was basically told either to go to the OEO and get have a private bathroom and kind of just suffer or like just talk to the nutritionist, the the new dietitian um, person. And I'm going to maybe try to do that. But yeah. 
And then you said you worked in the dining halls as well, right? Mm-hmm. So when did you work in them? Yeah, so I worked my, my sophomore year. So my first year as an RA, I worked solely just DX. And so my experience was more with like the hamburger stuff, the fries. And a lot of people utilize that now because I think that's kind of like a backup. Like, oh shoot, the dining hall's not good. Let's go to DX. Let's go to Ram's Horn and get something there because there's no food kind of a thing. And yeah. it's reliable. And when you worked in the dining hall, did you hear reports of, like, bad food? Did they ever talk to you over Mm. at Food and Dining and tell you guys to fix anything or anything like that? Yeah, no, nothing. Um, Yeah, nothing. (laughs) Ever. Which dining hall did you work in? Jarrell. So I worked specifically Mm. the DX part. And I also had the experience of doing, like, numbers for temperatures. And I tried to do the most that I could, like, accurate for numbers. But with how busy it is, like, how fast that, like, that the receipt prints, like, uh, and it goes, like, off. It's, like, boom, 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 boom. And it's just, like, receipts on receipts on receipts. Like, I kind of don't have time to take temperatures sometimes. Yeah, and then do you think that's due to a lack in, like, um, employees? Or what, do you think anything could fix that? Yeah, I know it's because of the lack of employees. Um, like I said, I've, I'm an RA, and so during our training, my junior year, we had... I think it was the head of Durrell at that time. I don't know what mm-hmm. his name was, but he came in and explained how the supply chain is a problem. And I get that it is. It is a problem right now. However, we're talking about, like, feeding people. And he was, like, being so emotional about how, like, different trucks just wouldn't show up with food. So I know that's a problem. And then mm-hmm. also just not enough people. I mean, they raise the wages because they realize it's a hard job. But, I mean, when it gets to certain points, like, you just can't work like five people in one area of a Mm -hmm. dining hall or you know what I mean so two questions for you then do you think anything in the working conditions could be improved to make this a more tractable working environment and why did you stop working there Mm. yes definitely I mean I've heard a lot of people I I didn't work too much but like people that are even student managers or uh, work long long hours there um have issues with just like being able to sit down like they'll just squat you know at their station because they've been standing for so long mm-hmm. I know that's an issue so maybe more breaks if you're gonna ha- work people long hours give them like three hours in the morning and three hours at night or something you know what I mean or five in the mo- you know what I mean like yeah try to divvy it up because it's really hard <laughs> yeah and there's students mm-hmm. mostly I mean there's definitely some people in there that are from the Fort Collins community especially when you talk about like the classifieds and stuff like that who work really long hours I don't even know their experience you know but yeah it could definitely be a better environment um and I ended because I was offered to work the front desk position here on campus and I'd rather sit down and do my homework thank you so much and then do you have anything else you'd like to add Overall, just like, it's just, I'm scared with the food in in the environment that it is right now. Like, they just don't listen to us. And this is like the only way that I felt like I could get this out. And maybe something would happen. And I feel like that kind of says a lot. Like, I've been really trying. (laughs) Thank you so much. Now we will hear from the Director of Food and Housing, Liz Poor, and hear what methods CSU has in place to prevent undercooked food from being given out at CSU dining halls, and how students can report undercooked food and potential cases of food poisoning. I'm Liz Poor. I'm the Director for Residential Dining Services. And I'm Janine Reese, and I'm the Public Health Administrator for Environmental Health Services. Great. And our first question is just kind of what current procedures you have in place to prevent 
uncooked chicken or spoiled food or anything like that from going out to students? Well, I I would say the first thing is just having proper procurement procedures and (laughs) working with vendors, you know, in the state of Colorado or sometimes out of the state. But, you know, we have definite procedures in place for for proper purchasing, proper from the time it comes to the backloading dock till we get it into the refrigeration and then through the cooking process with time and temperature. So a lot of things we, we take temperatures on as we cook and produce the food and then it's put on the serving line and then every two hours it has to be reached. Great. And then with these, you know, influx in recent reports, will you guys be checking in on anything or what next steps will be taken? Oh, sure. I mean, we didn't, I didn't know that there had been mm-hmm. uh, reports. So it's real important that let us know immediately. Yeah. As quickly. I know when people are sick, that's the last thing they want to do. But with foodborne illness, it's really important that we know right away so we can start an investigation. And then um, after we start that, then obviously Janine's crew and area has protocols and things that they do as well. So it's vacation is really important. And they can do that on our website, um, our dining website. And then um, there's a whole food safety section site that they can actually review our inspections, um, which is really cool. It's kind of new for us. We started this last year. And then um, in addition to that, it'd be filling out a form um, for us with the pertinent information about what they ate, when they ate. Students will also send us pictures, which actually helps us to investigate and being real clear about where, when, and and what they ate is really, really critical to use that information. And then do you have any comments on that? Sure. So we're the health department on campus, and by the mere fact of them having a retail food license, they're... Mm -hmm. They're, they have to be inspected. Mm-hmm. And some are inspected one to four times a year, sometimes more, depends on if we do get a complaint. So in addition to uh, if there is an issue on campus, they should not only report to housing and dining, obviously, but they can report to the health department, which is here on campus. And I can give you their informa- all of our information. But once a complaint is made, they can either report anonymously or give us their information. If they do share their information and who they are and where they ate, we cannot uh, disclose that information. We, we keep that information confidential and then we have to investigate that complaint. So sometimes that involves contacting the complainant and doing a meal history, seeing when they ate, kind of a, it's a questionnaire and then our staff will go out and do an inspection to investigate that issue. Uh, we have to fill out a report and report those findings. And it all goes up on the website. Mm-hmm. So anybody can look at that. On our website, we have the link to EHS. So they literally just go to us. They can definitely go to EHS and make the report. Well, thank you guys. Those were my primary questions for you all. Do you have anything to add today? I can say that the food service establishments here do a very, very good job. And not only, uh, I think CSU, we go above and beyond the regulations. Mm -hmm. By law, we have to follow the regulations. But there's log sheets that they do daily. There's daily self-inspections that they do. Such things as making sure their hair is properly restrained. They don't come to work sick. That the uh, food at the proper temperature. They do logs uh, sometimes two, three, four times a day on uh, temperatures on the hotline. How hot did they get that hamburger to? Um, the hot holding. They follow time and temperature control for safety. So there's a lot of things that we are doing in addition and above and beyond the uh, Mm -hmm. retail food regulations. 
Thank you guys so much for your comments. Well, and and one and one more thing. Take this really serious. Don't what think that we just blow this off. This is the most important thing that we do is serve safe food. So, um, just want to make that known. Big thank you guys. Five hundred people tune into KCSU every week. Do you want them to hear you? Integrating into the Northern Colorado music scene can be difficult, and KCSU is here to make your life easier. Whether you're a nationally touring or local band, KCSU invites you to submit your music to KCSU's digital submission form. Find the form at kcsufm.com. In environmental news, many areas around the country are experiencing severe heat waves. This is due to extreme temperatures and droughts. Wildfires have begun to spark up again throughout the western U.S., according to CNN. These fires have forced thousands to evacuate and have worsened air quality all around the country. CNN has found that there are 92 large fires throughout the country that have scorched more than 728,000 acres of land. The northwestern states are beginning to be affected by these extreme heat and drought conditions the most. In Oregon, communities have had to shut off power due to high winds that have increased their already high fire danger, while California has simultaneously seen record-breaking heat and rainfall, according to CNN. The U.S. could be at risk of blackouts for the first time in decades, according to the Business Insider. They found that due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the U.S., U.K., and E.U. are all at risk of widespread energy shortages. In California, dozens were trapped by mudslides this past weekend, according to NBC. 24 vehicles were stuck in a mudslide near L.A., and there have been 53 people accounted for. This rainfall was due to the tropical storm K that hit Mexico this weekend. A Colorado-based butterfly pavilion is monitoring insect species in their decline. They said this is because invertebrates are disappearing and this will have a drastic effect on humans, according to the Denver Post. The pavilion is tracking these insects because bug populations all around the world are declining. They said this could be a sign of an insect apocalypse. The Denver Post reports that 40% of insect species are declining around the world, and this loss could in turn cause an ecological collapse. Although insects may be annoying at times, they are vital for a multiple of reasons, as they pollinate crops, recycle nutrients, aerate soil, and provide the essential base protein in the food chain, according to the Denver Post. 
This is why the Butterfly Pavilion is working towards saving these species right here in Colorado. Thank you for listening to my environmental news updates. Hey, it's DJ Honeybee here to bring you a variety of music from all over the world every Friday from 1 to 3 p.m. national news? Many young adults all throughout the country are going into debt to get an education, but Princeton University is taking action against this ever-growing and worsening problem. Princeton has now said that their university will be free to attend for those whose families make under $100,000 a year. In addition to this, these students will be given $4,500 a year to cover costs such as books and personal expenses. This plan will go into action in the 2023 fall semester, according to NPR. An investigative journalist, Jeff German, was murdered. A Las Vegas politician has now been arrested on the suspicion of his murder. Robert Tells was arrested on September 2nd. German has written, critical stories on him and was supposedly working on other stories as well, according to the Las Vegas Times. Sources from the Las Vegas Times said that these stories had upset tells, and when he heard another story was coming out, it only upset him further. The politician publicly feuded with German. In other national news, all around the country, citizens are paying for extremely high gas prices, and it doesn't seem like these prices will go down anytime soon. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said on Sunday that there is a risk that these prices could rise later within the year, according to CNN. On June 14th, gas prices hit a record high in the U.S., and gas averaged at $5.02. Since then, prices have been declining for several reasons, but Yellen claims this decline may be short, according to CNN. Now on to CSU Sports with Ewan Pert. I'm Ewan Pert, and welcome to this week's RMR Sports Update. There will be five CSU sports teams competing in events this week. First is volleyball. With a 6-3 and three record, they will have two games at the end of this week, both against the University of Colorado. The first of the two being a whiteout game at Moby Arena before the Rams travel to Boulder to play the Buffaloes in their own stadium. Next up, we have football, who, following an embarrassing loss to Middle Tennessee, has fallen to 0-2, but they are looking to redeem themselves this weekend in Washington State. Up next, we have women's tennis who are looking to start their season off right this week with a four-day trip at the end of the week to compete in the Bedford Cup. Up next, we have women's soccer who are now 3-1-1. One, one. With three games spread out through this upcoming week, the, game, the team is looking to improve on that record. Up next, we have women's golf. With their season starting this weekend and bleeding into the start of next week, women's golf is ready to compete at the Badger Invitational in Wisconsin. And last, we have men's golf. Your CSU men's golf team is looking good so far, as they are, at the time of this recording, leading the Gene Miranda Falcon Invitational and the Gene Miranda Falcon Individual Invitational. The team won't have an event until early next week after the Gene Miranda Falcon Invitational. Thank you for listening to the RMR Sports Update. I'm Ewan Pert, and... I'm Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast for Tuesday, September 13th. 
Except for a few clouds, today was mostly sunny with a high of 86. Tonight, you can expect cloudy skies, stray showers and thunderstorms, and a low of 52 degrees. Wednesday, expect cloudy skies in the morning, followed by isolated thunderstorms in the afternoon with a high of 78 degrees. Wednesday evening will bring us lows of 61 degrees. As for the rest of this week's weather, you can tune in for the next Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook with your KCSU News Report. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guest today, our news producer, Reese Granger, as well as the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Portia. And I'd like to thank you, Kira. And finally, we couldn't do this without you. Dear listener, thank you. If you miss any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under news or podcast. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time. 